0: and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me again for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I want to ask you all today, are you ever bothered by earworms? Earworms? The technical term is IMI, involuntary musical imagery. You might know it as stuck song syndrome. I whistle a lot around the house, and my daughter, who lives with us, always has a song going through her head. We're all a musical family. And I'll come into a room whistling something and she'll go, oh, dad, I had this song in my head that I just love and now it's gone and all I can think of is the song you just whistled and it's hard to get out. You know, I get a song going through my mind and not even know where it came from. You know, something triggered it, some word or a thought or something will trigger it and, and I'm off and I got that song going in my mind. Do you give much thought to the words that you hear or sing in a song? One of the great uh, praise and worship tunes that many churches use is called, How Great is Our God, the splendor of the King, clothed in majesty. Let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light, and darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice. How great is our God. Sing with me. How great Is our God, and all will see. All will see how great is our God. Well, what do you think? Do you just sing that song, or have you ever thought about it? Will all see how great our God is? What do you think? What comes to your mind when you think of God's greatness? Many people. With the church background, we'll say, God is good, and somebody else will give the response, God is good all the time. Well, do we believe that? Do we believe that God is good all the time and God is great all the time? God is perfect, unconditional, never-ending, never-failing love and goodness. That's pretty great. God is pure light with no trace of darkness. That's pretty great. God is grace. I mean, perpetual grace in action, continually working out all things for the good and making and keeping everyone right with God. I would say that's great. All will see how great is our God. God is great. God is truth. My friend Malcolm Smith says, God's love has an intention, an unstoppable purpose, an unforced rhythm of grace. It's continually working all things out for the good, the restoration of all. Do you ever think about that? God's love is intentional, and it never fails for anyone. Life's not a destination. It's a journey. It's a journey of continually learning about how good God is to all people. I use the term metanoia a lot on this show, which is a Greek word that was used in writing the New Testament, and it simply means changing our mind about how we used to think. My friend Don Keithley says, the hardest thing we will ever do is change the way we have previously thought and start to focus on the invisible instead of the visible. Hardest thing we'll ever do, change the way we've previously thought, start to focus on the invisible instead of the visible. One of the most important things of all I've learned is to change our mind about how God is great. Not just all the time. But to all the people, to all people, all the time, all will see how great is our God. That's a huge arena that God wants us to metanoia, change our minds about, that God really is great all the time. God's not just great to us, but to everyone. C.S. Lewis, one of the great Christian writers and thinkers of the 1900s, he lived into the 1950s, a great movie about him called uh, Surprised by Grace. He said this, There are people who do not accept the full Christian doctrine about Christ, but who are so strongly attracted by him that they are his in a much deeper sense than they themselves understand. He went on to say, There are people in other religions who are being led by God's secret influence to concentrate on those parts of their religion which are in agreement with Christianity and who thus belong to Christ without even knowing it. He says, for example, a Buddhist of goodwill may be led to concentrate more and more on the Buddhist teaching about mercy and to leave in background in the background, although he might still say he believed, the Buddhist teaching on certain other points. He says, many pagans long before Christ's birth may have been in a similar situation. He says, I think every prayer which is sincerely made, even to a false God or to a very imperfectly conceived true God, is acceptable by the true God and that Christ saves many people who do not even think that they know him. It's sort of like having a song stuck in your mind and you don't know where it came from. He said, I believe Christ fulfills both paganism and Judaism. And it's interesting, when I'm recording this, you all are hearing it some weeks later. But when I'm recording this, it's just a few days after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, our Supreme Court Justice. She was Jewish. And today, I believe she's experiencing God's pure, white-hot, unconditional love with her friend, Justice Scalia who was a devout Catholic, devout Jewish, liberal, a devout Catholic, Christian, conservative. They were the best of friends. The two couples were the best of friends. They spent holidays together and New Year's Eve together, and they did a lot of social things together. They, they were very close. I believe they're all together right now. I believe God is great, and all will see how great he is. Look at what Billy Graham said. Did you know that there's a YouTube video of him on Robert Schuller's Hour of Power show in 2005 with this conversation? Schuller says, Tell me, what do you think is the future of Christianity? And Billy Graham said, Well, there is the body of Christ, which comes from all the Christian groups around the world or outside the Christian groups. He said, I think everybody that loves Christ or knows Christ, whether they are conscious of it or not, are members of the body of Christ. He said, I don't think we're going to see a great sweeping revival that's going to turn the world to Christ. He says, I think the Apostle James answered that in the First Council of Jerusalem when he said that God's purpose is to call out a people for his name. And Billy Graham said, that's what God is doing today. He's calling the world for his name, whether they come from the Muslim world or the Buddhist world, or the Christian world, or the non-believing world. (laughs) He says, they're all being called by God. They may not even know the name of Jesus, he said, but they know in their heart they need something that they don't have, and they turn to the only light that they have. And he said, I believe they're saved, and they're going to be with us all in heaven. Well, Schuler was surprised and he said, what I hear you saying is that it's possible for Jesus Christ to come into a human heart and soul and life, even if they've been born in darkness and have never had an exposure to the Bible. He said, is that a correct interpretation of what you're saying? Billy Graham said, yes, it is. I believe that. He said, I've met people in various parts of the world, like in tribal situations. They've never seen a Bible, never heard a Bible and never heard of Jesus, but they believed in their heart there was a God. Shuler said, fantastic. I'm so glad to hear you say that. There is a wideness in God's mercy. And Billy Graham said, There definitely is. It's like people in this tribal situation. They, they get a song of, of light, of goodness, of God's greatness going in their mind. And the song comes from God, but you know, they're not even aware of where it comes from. CS Lewis, Billy Graham, I could give you a multitude of quotes by other people, but all of this to say is I want to encourage us all to change our minds if we haven't already about God's greatness only being for us, the in group, the group that believes correctly, like us, the the, the group that has the correct doctrine uh, according to us. We're one of the 40,000 Christian denominations, uh, but we we got it right. Uh, no. <laughs> God is good and great to all people all the time, and all will see that. Let's no longer see people as in or out or excluded or included or favored by God or not favored by God. Now, I'm I'm talking to myself here. I mean, let's, let's not judge or discredit anybody, other Christians, Muslims, Jews, Buddhists, whatever. God is in all people and is revealing himself in his own way to all people right where they are. So let's realize that and let's love and be patient with all people. Let's look some more at God's greatness for all people. When we sing, all will see how great is our God. Let's think about God's goodness. Look at 1 John 1. I'm going to read three verses here. Verses 5, 6, and 7 from the Mirror Translation. John says, My conversation with you flows from the same source, which illuminates this fellowship of union with the Father and the Son. This then is the essence of the message. God is radiant light, And in him there exists not even a trace of obscurity or darkness at all. And I would add, for all people. Verse 6, this is the real deal. To live a life of pretense is such a waste of time. The truth has no competition. Truth inspires the poetry of friendship in total contrast to a fake performance-based fellowship. Light is not threatened by darkness. Why say something with darkness as your reverence? Verse 7, we are invited to explore the dimensions of the same light that envelops, engulfs God. When we see the light in his life, fellowship ignites. In his light, we understand how the blood of Jesus is the removal of every stain of sin. The success of the cross celebrates our redeemed innocence. I believe, as does Billy Graham, or did Billy Graham, I'm sure he believes it even more now, and C.S. Lewis, that that light that envelops God envelops everybody and everybody at some point in time, we're all on that journey. We will all see how great God is for all people. God is good and God is great all the time. God is love. God is light with no darkness at all. When we see the light in his life, fellowship ignites, fellowship with God, fellowship with everybody else. Pure light walking is knowing and hearing and getting this song of God's goodness in your mind and walking and living in oneness and union with the Father and the Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and their whole essence is all good. I'm going to list several things of God's essence, God's nature, and these are true about God, not just for us, but for all mankind, without exception, without conditions, without qualifications, without limits. God is pure, perfect love for all people. And that love never fails and never ends. God is pure truth for all people. God is pure good news for all people. God is pure, exceeding joy for all people. God is pure loving kindness for all people. God is pure goodness for all people. God is pure gentleness for all people. The faith of Christ is for all people. God is pure power for good for all people. God is pure compassion, pure mercy, pure peace, pure patience for all people. God is always working out all things for the good of all people, the ultimate restoration of all. In 1 Corinthians 13 we call that the love chapter. The original text, the word agape is used, which is translated in English generally as love, and the King James is translated as charity. We don't use that term that way anymore. Um, but God is agape love. So it's consistent with Scripture. We're not doing the text to any harm at all to say God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit or the Trinity instead of love. Each time love appears in that chapter, we can say God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we can say the Trinity. Now, so when considering anything about God, we start with the filter that He is love and everything else He does and is everything that flows from His agape love. So I've taken several different translations of First Corinthians 13. I put them all together in a little composite thing here, and I'm going to substitute the word love for God. And I want you to see what what 1 Corinthians 13 says. God is patient with all people and does not give up on anyone. God is kind to all. God is not jealous and does not envy and thinks no evil of anyone. God does not brag or boast and is not arrogant or proud with anyone. God does not act unbecomingly or dishonor anyone. God does not seek his own. He's not self-seeking with anyone. God does not insist on his own rights or his own way with anyone. God is not provoked and is not irritable and puts up with anything with all people. God does not take into account a wrong suffered. God keeps no record of wrongs with anyone. God rejoices with the truth with everyone. God bears all things and always protects everyone. God believes all things and always trusts and is ever ready to believe the best of every person. God hopes all things. God endures all things. God always perseveres with everyone. God never fails, and God's love never comes to an end for anyone. See, God doesn't keep a record of wrongs for anyone. God doesn't hold anything against anyone. God doesn't condemn anyone. We learn in Romans 8, God doesn't shame anyone. God has already judged everyone. At the cross, we were all judged right with God, pure and without fault. God never excludes anyone. God is never separated from anyone, and no one can ever be separated from God's love. God never torments anyone. God never punishes anyone. God never overcomes evil with evil with anyone. That's how great our God is. Man. Now, here's something else to think about. A lot of people have said to me, well, well, yes, God is good, but you have to repent. And they don't understand the correct meaning of repent. Think about this, how good God's goodness is. Romans 2, 4 says, God's goodness brings us to repentance, which means a a radical mindset change of what God is like. God is totally good, and it's his goodness that brings us to repentance. How about that? Sometimes people say, well, yeah, yeah, God is good and all of those things, but God will never violate our human will. I mean, we can choose to not believe God and not accept God, and, and he will, he'll honor that. Well, you know what? The Bible never, ever says anything like that anywhere, ever, ever. Bible doesn't say that. That's totally a man-made concept. Secondly, a religious concept. Think about this. If you're a parent, a good parent, and you have the ability to save your child from making a bad decision, like an uninformed decision, a decision so awful that it will affect their eternity, if you're a good parent, would you say, well, you know, I'm not going to violate my child's free will. They want to ruin their life for now and all eternity. I'm just going to let them. If you said that, (laughs) you wouldn't be a good parent, would you? Come on, think about this. Is God all-powerful? Yes. Can God fail? No. Can God's love fail? No. Is anyone more powerful than God? No, not if God is all-powerful. Is it God's will that all people come to know him? Yes. God is infinitely patient, and his love never fails, no matter how long it takes, in this life or the next His white-hot, fiery love will gently burn away, remove any all-dark religious songs from your mind, until you only have his pure light song in your mind. And that's true for everyone. I want to finish with what my friend Dave Carringer posted a little while ago. He said, over the years, I've enjoyed heart-to-heart talks with people of many cultures and religions, from which I've seen and heard certain aspects of truth which are capable of bearing positive fruit. He says, though I'll never again personally subscribe to or desire to be identified with any particular religion, I remain open in listening with an open heart to others about their beliefs, because I realize I can learn certain things from anyone who comes within my life sphere. Having said that, He says, if the religion you subscribe to holds any idea or indication of fear in the beginning, end, or at any point along the way from some distant deity who demands you do or believe in a certain way or else, then he says, you're wasting your time and mind to try to convince me of what you believe and why you believe it. I've been there and I have no intention of going back. He doesn't want that dark religious song stuck in his mind, and neither do I. He says, furthermore, while I love and care about the people involved, I have no time whatsoever for any religion that teaches that their God sees one group of people in higher esteem or value than others, where some will supposedly go off to great reward in the afterlife, while others reap eternal retribution in the form of suffering and torment. He said, us and them beliefs like this, will never bring wholeness to humanity or help heal the current lack of unity in this world. He said, in fact, they actually perpetuate it by divisive teaching of exclusion and separation. He says, the following writing attributed to Solomon holds a vital key to how the imaginations of man had the capacity to twist and distort a once beautiful and foundational truth meant for all to joy. This is Ecclesiastes seven twenty nine. Solomon said, of one thing I am certain God created all men upright and righteous. We were all created in God's image and likeness. We all have God's pure light song stuck in our mind. No one is born with an edemic nature. That's a lie that we've been taught by religion. God created all men upright and righteous But, he goes on to say, men's vain imaginations have devised schemes resembling warlike machines all around them. Our dark religious songs just took over and became earworms in our minds. He goes on to say, the idea that our beautiful source of light and life could somehow be offended by us, have enemies, or hold the capacity to inflict pain or destroy some while choosing others as more blessed in any way, isn't an idea that came with our original, upright, right mind thinking. It's a dark religious song that came to Adam and then was taught to all of us by all of our forefathers, but it's not an evil nature that we inherit. These ideas all come from the downcast, worthless, vain, and twisted, alienated imaginations of man, which in turn have produced a warlike world all around us. Dave goes on to say, those days and the downcast imaginations of man are coming rapidly to an end. He says, I've never been more excited about the days and generations ahead and all that will be enjoyed. And I agree. He says, yes, it may look really dark out there for a few more days, but hang on, baby. We're seeing a global awakening of light and love that's exceedingly, abundantly, far beyond anything we could have ever dreamed, imagined, or fantasized about. You will see, and I would add, on that day, all will see how great is our God. Sing with me, how great is our God. Thanks, everybody, for being with me for another edition of Grace to All with Paul Gray. I'll See you all next time. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.